Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 265th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, I turned 30 years old Wow. this week. Uh, I was mowing the lawn on the day that I turned 30. Mowing the lawn as you turned 30. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, like even just the time of birth and everything. Wow. It was just like, that's, that's how I wanted to spend it. Uh-huh. And I was like wrapping up the the mow and i kind of like tweaked my like knee or hamstring or li- mowing the lawn there you go as i turned 30 and it was just like this this is it yeah i'm i'm old and my body even knows it that it's just all downhill from here man and you have a you have a small child at home so you're not getting enough sleep so mm-hmm. then your body wears down faster and then you're more tired you're relying on caffeine to keep you going yeah yeah, welcome. Welcome to the club. Yep. You know, sometimes we ingest caffeine in order to do fun stuff. Sometimes we do it just to stay alive. Just to survive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, congratulations on turning 30. Thank you. And uh, joining the club. And we're old now. Now, it's the old person's podcast. So, uh, just kidding. Just kidding. We're very down with the youth still. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about today, Kyle? We're going to talk about another basketball commit. And Missouri Tigers are 5-0. and And a huge, 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 huge game against LSU. So before we get into all that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review wherever you listen to us. And, of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Uh, we'll start with basketball real quick, tell you about Trent Burns. We talked about him last week as a probable commit. Sure enough, Sunday, he committed to Dennis Gates and the Missouri Tigers listed at seven foot three, 210 pounds, four star. And welcome now to a class of five high school seniors who are all top 100 players, four star or better on every on at least one recruiting website. And still uh, Jaden Quainton sitting out there, maybe to round out the class. But for now, Trent Burns, seven foot three, 210 pounds. Not probably not like an instant impact guy year one, but the type of, I mean, you just can't pass up on yeah. a guy who's seven foot three and is like biggest, his like best skill set besides blocking shots with ease is he's actually a good shooter from deep yeah yeah it feels like uh well first of all i think dennis gates is gonna try to assemble the tallest team in the country yep and it might actually succeed uh but yeah he loves those those tall guys who can kind of pick and pop at the top of the key and be a threat to shoot obviously that's i mean you just don't expect to have to guard a seven foot guy like at the three-point line who can actually burn you there but i think they're gonna try and like be able to do that with multiple guys yeah so yeah it's just i mean they just keep adding players where you can see like a really distinct role in gates system and and how they can contribute yeah and the way he will take their the staff in general will take a position like the center position the five spot and go okay yeah we'll get the seven footer who's 320 pounds and is like a traditional center and not only that he's like 
just the size of a guy that you don't usually have in college. And then also we'll pair him in the same recruiting class, same position with a guy who's also seven foot, but more than 100 pounds lighter and shoots three totally opposite skill set yeah and yeah it just shows you they're thinking about matchups and how they can i mean you might not see burns very much in in a game and you might see him a lot in one game it's just going to probably be dependent upon matchups who we're playing and you know what the other team has and i love that we're able to do that kind of just be able to play certain guys depending on what's going to work the best yeah and this sort of you know this just He's really just doing everything perfect, so it's all going to come crashing down at some point. But um, <laughs> the way it's like just structuring a class, even the first recruiting class that uh, wasn't as splashy as this one, um, you know, you have guys that are the type of player that's more ready to contribute day one, and then you have two or three guys that are going to be a little bit more of long-term projects. But even within that scope, we're dealing with almost all entirely top 100 players, which when we were doing this with Konzo, it was like, yeah, maybe we got two guys that are top 100 that maybe could contribute right away. And then our project guys are unranked and we're the only scholarship offer. Should be playing like NAIA ball. Exactly. Yeah, And, and will eventually. So it's like still that same strategy, but with all guys who can play. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about football recruiting. We talked about it pretty extensively this summer and, you know, how one guy, you know, losing out on one recruit just isn't as big of a deal in football and so much easier to make up in different areas. And the hit rate is so much lower and um, development is so much of a bigger piece in football, typically all of those things. But in basketball, whenever you're bringing in a top 10 recruiting class, like I feel like that just the hit rate of that in basketball is so much stronger than it is in football and it is like immediately uh impactful yeah and even then the top 10 class that like duke or kentucky brings in they're gonna have like one or two one and done guys that are just like already playing at a professional level and then maybe they have one or two guys that's like uh we kind of they were kind of bus because they're expected to come in and be one and duns and they're not and with this type of class of all four stars, basically, it's like, yeah, we don't need the third, fourth, and fifth guy in the rankings in this class to be ready to go year one, maybe even year two. I don't know. It's just perfectly constructed recruiting class. Yeah, if you can like perfectly design it, it's like the really, really talented player who's like going all the way up to basically being a like professional level player, but is still maybe not ready to make the jump to... The professional ranks so yeah. it's like they stick around for three years and yeah and you know play really really well and there was another story uh just kind of tangentially related to dennis gates but it was um a former florida state player i don't know if you saw anything about this but devin vassal a former florida state player just signed a max contract extension with the spurs and so I saw CY was kind of hyping this up on Twitter and people were mentioning the fact that he recruited this guy to Florida State. And so I went up and went and looked up his recruiting profile. He was a three-star player out of high school, 6'5", 170, and is, you know, guards multiple positions in the NBA, is like kind of a rangy wing who can handle the ball pretty well. 
and it's just like this prototypical Florida State wing that now we are seeing being funneled into the Mizzou program. And so I think we're going to see somewhat regularly, and, and he left Florida State after his sophomore season, coming from three stars, Unheralded. like undersized wing, basically. They have a prototype, man. Like yeah. whenever you fit the mold of what they're looking for, they will turn you into what they want you to be. And, and he followed it perfectly. Year one, a little rough around the edges, but, you know, um, incredible motor on the defensive end. Then that first offseason, developed more of his offensive game, started every game his sophomore year, averaged 13 points per game while still maintaining that defense. And with the length and measurables, the NBA was ready for him. I know we have a lot of football stuff to get to, but real quick, I do want to ask you, do you think like Aiden Shaw could make some kind of jump like that? Obviously, he kind of fits the description of like of like a pretty heralded recruit, but um, just kind of played a certain role, a specific role his freshman year. Is that a guy that you think you could see taking a, a step? Yeah, um, I would say I would need to see quite a bit more of like his outside game improve on That's offense probably the easiest way for him to get on the floor more yeah but there was just he just posted a video on twitter showing him uh drop step dunking an 18 pound medicine ball with no shoes on in the weight room that was wild which i love that they just have like a, a hoop in the weight room yeah. to like do stuff like that with but um i would say what really jumped out to me more with this Devin Vassell story is, um, and now I've lost his name, the uh, uh, Marcus Allen from this recruiting class right now. I feel like that's the potential path for him, mm-hmm. more of like a wing player who can lock in defensively and maybe be something, you know, provide something there his freshman year, and yep. then. Uh, flip the switch offensively the second year and on. Yeah, has the traits and the body type that they're looking for. They just need to hone in the skills a little bit. But it's kind of, it's uh, very rare for a three-star recruit to go to the NBA draft after their sophomore season. Right, like, I mean, that's exa- that goes exactly with what I was saying earlier with the hit rates in basketball for recruiting are so much uh, more correlated than in football. It's so much easier to predict, uh, you know, professional level of play in basketball. And so that's what makes those things uncommon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what, what else can you say? They're just really knocking it out of the park. And um, the only thing that we haven't seen yet is like a marquee in-state player stay home. Am I forgetting someone? I mean, it's, it hasn't been that long yet. But like, you know, the Conzo era w- became defined by Caleb Love and Cam Fletcher and these type of guys. EJ so, Liddell. EJ Liddell. Yeah. So. When we have, uh, and it's the following recruiting class, Aaron Rowe. Aaron Rowe will be the first opportunity to bring a guy like that home and keep him home. And now let's uh, move on to football. Missouri Tigers are 5-0 and for the first time since 2013, I think I saw. Yeah. They started that season 7-0, and so still a little ways happen. to go. Yeah. Uh, Missouri beat Vanderbilt 38 to 21 offense looked good again defense outside of a couple drives I think looked solid Um, I'll rattle off some stats here and then we'll dig into it a little bit 
Uh, Brady Cook, three, uh, sorry, 33 of 41 passing for 395 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, that's 80% completion rate, almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. Luther Burden, 11 catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Theo Weiss, 10 catches, 118 yards and a touchdown. Pete and Schrader combined for 20, 28 carries, 131 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Marquise Johnson and Mookie Cooper got in the mix as well. Johnson in this one, three catches, 64 yards and a touchdown. Mookie Cooper, five receptions, 56 yards. I mean, Brady Cook threw the ball 41 times. He was really spreading it around to everyone. Tyler Stevens had a catch. Is, I mean, this, they, again, made a secondary look like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Uh, they're just super well-balanced right now. Like, the defense is not playing as well as they were last year, but it just hasn't really mattered so far. Um, I think that's they're going to have, a, obviously, a huge test this weekend, but, I mean, it's crazy how much the offense has, has improved, how much everybody's thoughts on Brady Cook, on the offense, on everything has just done a complete 180 since even a, a month ago. Um, it's really, uh, it's kind of mind-bending, like, what we're watching. I saw a Twitter poll from a fan account um, saying, what's the biggest reason in your mind for this turnaround of the offense? And I think the options given were uh, Brady Cook getting healthy slash improving, uh, Kirby Moore, uh, and there was a couple other options, but I don't... uh, Offensive line improvement. There were a few other options, but I obviously only paid attention to those two things because that's where I feel like the improvement is coming from. I can't help but think still that Kirby Moore is drawing up plays that are getting guys open in a way that Drink was not able to. Or is it that Brady Cook was so limited with his deep ball last year, whether it's just getting it down the field or being accurate with it because of his injury, those two things combined, I think, have to be the majority of the where the majority of the improvement is coming from yeah i think so i mean i think it's a little bit of everything like the offensive line it seems significantly better when still honestly have a lot of room to improve and if it weren't for penalties they'd be doing great yeah um yeah brady cook just looks so much better he looks so much more comfortable um he kind of just has been almost adjusting to what he needs to do pretty well like you know in some games he's really mobile and and against Vanderbilt he just didn't really need to be he just was very much in the pocket but it just didn't matter did a good job sliding a couple times he did slide once (laughs) um yeah so I think Brady's just playing about as well as he possibly can right now and obviously having a a developed Luther Burden I mean uh, he clearly took a step uh, this yeah. offseason like he's well moving him to the slot yeah I mean at this point I, I th- almost think Luther Burden is better than we could have ever even hoped yeah and like maybe exceeded that so um yeah e- everything's just firing on all cylinders right now I think a lot of it probably has to do with uh, Kirby Moore and and Brady playing better offensive line I think it's a little bit of everything so they've been talking about in some of the press conferences and stuff the confidence that he has and that the offense is playing with as a whole. And um, Coach Drink said that Coach Moore having the confidence in Cook to be like, I'm confident that when 
he looks out at the defense, he's reading it properly, and that means as a play caller, he can dial up exactly what he wants and have that faith in Brady Cook that he'll make the right read. And just hearing uh, Coach Drinkwitz describe that process and how and how you can see it on Saturday actually working that way, assuming you know what he's saying about Coach Moore is accurate. Well, it almost seems to confirm our fears from last year. Was like the, Coach Drink was does not trust Brady Cook. Yeah, and he does not trust him to throw the ball downfield. He doesn't open up the playbook for him, and you know whatever. And maybe that had to do with with his injury. I don't know, but um, I I feel like I can see that in real time, and also confirmed our fears from last year that like there's a disconnect going on here. That there's not enough trust. They're they're doing bunker mentality when they said they yeah. were specifically were not going to. Yeah. Yeah, that was the whole story last year. Um, and one thing that, just like me watching the game, I feel like all of last year, the first two weeks of this season, and it's like hard to shake this feeling of every time the ball goes in the air, it's like, uh, is anybody going to come down with yeah, this? It just seemed so difficult yes. doing anything, just completing a pass. And now it looks so easy. Yeah. Like the receivers are just catching everything. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's even a struggle for them. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, not only the play calling trust with Brady, but Brady's trust in the receivers. Yeah, and like he's just letting them go get contested catches. They don't have to be wide open for him to throw it. And I feel like that was what was happening last year. It was like whether he's being told to not throw it deep or what, we don't know. But he was not giving receivers a chance to even go make a play on it. And when you have Theo Weiss and Luther Burden, you just get the ball in their hands and let them do whatever they're going to do. And so he's, he's has a lot more trust in his playmakers and that's pretty obvious. Yeah. And seeing plays where there's like, they'll show a replay of a completion to Mookie Cooper and like Theo East is running this other route and he's also wide open. Yeah. It's just kind of insane how open the receivers are at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like last year, especially I'd, I'd watch other college football games and I would see that kind yes. of thing happening. Like, what are we doing like where it looks like our wide receivers are just being covered so well nobody's open every pass looks so difficult everything's contested like everything is hurried made it feel like we were going up against an nfl defense every yes, week where like, these other teams are playing college defenses where there's just like receivers running yeah, around everywhere exactly and it almost has kind of felt like that the past couple of weeks for mizzou where it's like just take your pick yeah on who you want to throw it to they'll be open yeah um some things that i noticed from the broadcast um aside from it being a struggle which we're kind of used to at this point um there's a couple things that were said though like brady cook drops back and uh throws a fairly deep ball to theo weiss and the announcer says this is what they do and that's just such a funny thing to hear about like this, as of uh, the last two weeks yeah brady cook led offense and the and but the whole narrative around this team and especially the offense has turned into like oh yep this is that mizzou team that throws it around the field and well you know it's because they only watched the memphis game to do exactly, their research that's true but that, so uh, if that's all you knew then yeah that's what they do and then uh at later they talked about brady cook undressing the defense and i don't know it just it just <laughs> cracked me up like that's that's true though yeah. like they have it right now. Just borderline like assaulting them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Why? Can I ask you something? Can oh, I, sure. Um, why was Derek Mason commentating this game? I get like they want he he wants to try it out, so put him in there. With it, where, this is not something he typically does. 
I have no idea. I mean, he did fine. Uh, fine. Fine. For, yeah, ESPN's standards in 2023, yeah, he did fine. Um, I don't know. I, I My honest thought was he doesn't do this a whole lot. He's trying to get into it. Have no idea if that's true. And here, do the Vanderbilt game because you're going to be familiar with one of the teams. It's going to be easier for you to talk about them. Yeah. I love the part where they brought up how uh, he beat Mizzou. Like, that was like his signature win. Yes, yes. And I was like, really? Yeah. It made me go look, like, up the last few Vanderbilt coaches and their records and stuff. And, again, it was, like, so wild that uh, James Franklin that had Penn State, like, you know, rolling outside of actually making the playoff. He's had them rolling for a while. Um, but yeah, so Brady Cook sets the SEC record for most consecutive pass attempts without an interception, and that's going back to like October 22nd of last year. That kind of broke my brain. Yeah. Like, really? It just kind of came out of nowhere. It did. I mean, we know, we knew like, yeah, he didn't throw an interception the last half of the season last year. Yeah. And he hadn't thrown an interception yet, but he had to actually see that number. And he'd been throwing it quite a bit more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's he have, like 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions this year? Yeah. That'll play. Yeah, absolutely. But And he had a good attitude about it after the game. They asked him if that's something he knew about going into it. And he said, yes, he saw it on Twitter or something a couple days before. And uh, But he said the way he's thinking about it is interceptions are part of the game. I'm going to throw an interception at some point. It could, And I'm just expounding on it a little bit. It could be his fault. It could bounce off a receiver's hands who knows but it's good to see him having that attitude of like he's not dwelling on it too much yeah. and he knows and he's like far surpassed it at this point now yeah. where it's like he probably what he's like 30 attempts past the record now mm-hmm. he, can, he can relax yeah uh but just incredible for him yeah that was and, a funny moment on the broadcast though whenever he, like he tied the record and the announcer like went crazy about it and then there was like a penalty oh yeah yeah <laughs> like i felt like the announcer like literally felt the weight of he was like I don't, I don't even remember what he said, but you could tell he was like legitimately stressed. Yes. Like, please don't throw an interception. Please. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a meme. Yeah. <laughs> please yeah. get this record. Yeah. Cause he had to, he had to throw it again to get it. Yeah. Cause he did like a really like grandiose, like, and yes. that is going to be the record. Like, yeah. so he like didn't want to have to go back on that. He had really worked up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cook was incredible again. Um, the throw, and the catch to Weiss for the touchdown in the first half. Beautiful. Um, perfect fade throws to Luther Burden in the end zone, making the red zone offense just look like it's unbeatable for a few drives. He had a couple of throws to Luther Burden, and it looked especially cool just from the vantage point that we had, I don't know, from the TV camera. But I don't know if you can throw the ball better than that. Like no. there, were, I, there were two specific throws he made where, I mean, he just threw it exactly where it needed to be like perfect amount of like loft on the ball and luther just turns around it's like right in the bread basket like where the defender can't get it mm-hmm. one was a touchdown one was was not mm-hmm. but i mean it was just that's a beautiful ball yeah Oof. i guess that's, that's that confidence at work yeah he is throwing the ball like everything we asked for everything that i asked for after week two he's like throwing the ball before the guys are out of their breaks he's throwing it where yeah. they're gonna be yeah yeah he's, he's he's processing so much faster or seemingly mm. and the deep throws nailing them consistently yeah 
Yeah, I really think, I mean, a lot of it really does have to do with his weapons. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, they, they're doing, they're, they're just playing so well in every facet of, of their offense right now. Yeah. And we've talked, uh, for, uh, we've talked a lot about how the wide receivers complement each other so well. And that's part of this as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's feels like the Missouri offense, obviously Schrader and Pete get overlooked. Uh, Schrader has put up nice numbers. Pete can break a run every once in a while, but it does feel like the only thing the Missouri offense is missing is that home run threat out of the backfield. 100, 100% agree with that. There were some people, uh, talking about if you could add one former Mizzou player to this team, who would it be? And, and there were some people throwing out like drew lock uh, chase daniel obviously uh nick bolton was a was a you can't go wrong there yeah but i'm really trying to like complete the team like where there's a make a weakness a strength i would have to go with a defensive end probably just to move uh d-rob back to the interior Mm -hmm. and shore that up a little bit but man it would be fun to see like a henry josie type running back on this team yep um before we talk about Missouri's defense against Vanderbilt, um, one thing that they got to get better about is nine penalties for 75 yards against Vanderbilt. That's just, I think the margin for error is not going to be big enough against LSU for uh, that type of number of penalties. But um, Chris Abrams Drain had that red zone interception, three straight games for him with, an, with a pick, and held Vanderbilt to only 41 rushing yards on the game so obviously the strength for missouri's defense is stopping the run they are a bit suspect in pass defense so far which is concerning going into lsu yeah i have to wonder if they were trying to do playing checkers again in this game like they i felt like the blitzes were like they weren't blitzing very much it felt like the defensive game plan was pretty vanilla um, at least just from my wa- my one watch through of the game, it felt like they weren't really doing anything too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to see a little bit more like disguised blitzes, a little bit more, um, you know, complex uh, play calling that they're just confusing the, the offense a little bit more. It just felt like they felt like they were better than Vanderbilt, which they were. They probably they had the ability to go out there and just out athlete and outplay. And it kind of felt like that's what they just did in this game. And like they're going to give up a couple of big plays if they're going to do that. Yeah. And Vanderbilt's offense is kind of used to, to making some plays. I mean, um, not yeah. so much with Seals. But I thought Ken Seals played really well. Yeah. Uh, for him. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like if they scored a touchdown instead of that Chris Abrams drain interception, yeah. like that, it's a little bit different ball game at for that sure. point. But um, the wide receiver, Shepard, He's good. He's really good. I mean, and he really didn't have a huge impact until the second half. Yeah, and he had a couple of drives in a row. It was like, okay, you yeah. gotta, you gotta chill. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't even know if I should say this, but like Vanderbilt losing uh, Davis to Kentucky last off season. If I'm a Vanderbilt fan, well, that would not be very fun. But if I'm a Vanderbilt fan. I got to be wondering about Shepard bolting after this year if things he, don't turn is around. Is he a freshman? Surely not. No, no. he's no, he's an upperclassman. Yeah. Uh, Davis. If, uh, speaking of him, yeah, he had himself a day on Saturday for Kentucky. Yeah, 
He had like 200 rushing yards or something. Yeah. Uh, he was close to like setting some kind of record. I was watching some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's the Vanderbilt game. Win that one, 38-21, 5-0. Things are great. However, we return home. Oh, a couple other stats here real quick. After the Vanderbilt game, Brady Cook is now, if you just take his average yards per game and extrapolate that out over 12 games, he's on pace for 3,500 passing yards and 34 total touchdowns. And zero interceptions. And zero interceptions. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> now, that would be some kind of record. Yeah. Um, uh, Luther Burden is on pace for 1,500 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. And that, this is what I saw. I didn't go back and look at every season. That win over Vanderbilt was Mizzou's first win as a ranked team since 2015 when they beat... BYU at Arrowhead Stadium, I guess. Connecticut, maybe. When they beat UConn earlier in the 2015 season when they were still ranked. And that then that season long, went off the rails. That was a long time ago. Yeah, BYU was like, oh, we won. We, we got a win after having a terrible season. Yeah. Things were still looking good. That was the season that if you just turn up the offense like 10%, yeah. we're like Probably a top win, 10 team. Win 10 games, easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the UConn game was like nine to six. <laughs> it was uh, literally nine to six. Oof. First ranked, first win as a ranked team since then is what they're saying. It's a little too long. That's what they're saying. So we return to Columbia to face number 23 LSU. LSU is three and two on the season, two and one in SEC play. They started the season with a loss to Florida State 45 to 24, exposed a little bit potentially. They beat Grambling State by a million. They beat Mississippi State by a million. They beat Arkansas in a close game and then just lost to Ole Miss 55-49. to I didn't watch all of that game, but I watched maybe the fourth quarter. That game was nuts. Electric. It's just at, insanity. At Ole Miss, and they like mounted a comeback to yeah, win they, this thing. That was one thing I was going to talk about in this game in thinking about how Missouri's taken the run game away in some of these games the last few weeks because they just get up early mm-hmm. and they force the team to just have to pass, when even that may not be what they want to do. But against LSU, that does not matter. Yeah. The game script, completely out the window. They just want to throw no matter if they're winning or losing. Mm-hmm. And so no lead is safe against yeah. LSU. Yeah, the Ole Miss jumped out to an early lead, lost it, had to come back in the fourth quarter, and then ended up winning. Yeah. Oof, yeah, like, Ole Miss I, had like 700 plus yard total yards. Insane. Yeah. I just kept thinking like, if you just give me this game, the the fireworks and the atmosphere of this game, please give me something even close to that. Give I don't me even, 80% of that. I don't know if my body can handle that. I'm like, I'm willing to test it. I'm willing <laughs> like, to test your body. <laughs> like, man, that I, that would just be really something. My body could barely handle like the Kansas State nonsense. Yeah. I was hyperventilating. <laughs> uh, yeah, so LSU's offense is elite. We're going to be at this game. Oh, yeah, we'll be there. We're going to be hanging out before the game, tailgating, you could see, you could say, in lot P. I think I'm volunteering other people's space and food and drink potentially here, but <laughs> we'll be in lot P if you want to come say hi, and then we'll be at the game. Yeah. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah, Lot P is like right by the basketball arena. Yes. Uh, LSU's offense is elite. 
uh, led by quarterback Jaden Daniels, who was almost a Missouri Tiger. He's completing 73% of his passes for 1,700 yards, 16 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Also about 300 yards and another three touchdowns rushing. He's If they didn't have two losses, I think people would be talking about him more for the Heisman. Yeah. Also, you know, you got that guy at USC that's doing pretty well. Yeah, Caleb Williams, he's decent. Uh, yeah, I would say LSU is a candidate for the best two-loss team in the country. I haven't taken the time to look around and see who has two losses, but I'd be willing to bet LSU is probably the best team with two losses. Um, they've played some really good teams. They probably have the best offense in the country, potentially. Like I think Jaden Daniels is potentially the best player in the country. Uh, he's unbelievably dangerous yeah. like in what he can do. It's, it's insane um, how good you can be when you have a, a quarterback who can do even half of what Daniels can do. He like single-handedly like will have to be the game plan like i don't know they're gonna have to spy him 100 percent of the time like he just everything goes through him yeah and um yeah Ole Miss was spying him late and even then he was still making plays he can make all the throws all the touch passes everything that we just talked about with brady cook how he's you know hitting guys early in their routes he's um you know reading the defense correctly daniels is doing all of that as well and he can scramble not only scramble he can do you know design runs but there's going to be three or four times in this game where missouri fan we're going to be loud and missouri looks like they have a stop on third down and he's going to turn something turn nothing into something yeah and it's he's gonna really uh try to put the dagger in our hearts like three or four different times oh for sure where it's like okay we we, we got a third to get this stop and, like yeah. we're going blow for blow with them on offense we're scoring touchdowns they're scoring touchdowns we got to get this stop and he's going to do something that just breaks our hearts yeah because i mean what do you do do you you put more guys in the secondary to to defend the pass well he's just going to take advantage of that on the ground yeah. do you stack the box he's going to throw it over you like he might just be the most dynamic player that Missouri plays all season, and they are not going to be able to fall asleep for a single play. The pocket breaks down. He escapes and runs. Uh, he stays in. You keep containment. He's able to, you know, assess the field and find his open receivers. Yeah. yeah he, I don't know. Or just throw it to him when they're not open because they're know. some of the best receivers in the country. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know who, who is going to have the job of spying him all game. I don't know if they're going to try and get – Tristan Newsom out there because he might be our fastest linebacker. I don't know. They're gonna have they they need somebody that can go coast to coast with with Daniels sideline to sideline. I say I think Hopper can do it. He probably can, but yeah. he he definitely has his moments. Yeah, of kind of like a coverage type linebacker. But I think if he's watching if he's watching Daniels and trying to be the last line of defense of him taking off. Yeah, it's just just not a typical offense. Like they're not gonna really wanting. I don't think they're gonna run very often. Um, it's just, I feel like Hopper's a great run stopper. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. They might have to just, everyone's going to be playing a unique role in this game, I think on D for Mizzou's defense. Yeah, there was, it was early in the season. It was like, okay, maybe this team was overlooking, you know, to the extent that they could afford to, maybe they were overlooking South Dakota and, uh, middle Tennessee to kind of really focus on game planning for Kansas state. 
I hope they've been thinking about this LSU game for a while. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I hope that they were playing they're playing checkers for Vanderbilt so they can game plan for for LSU. I mean, if you watch LSU, it's like, I mean, it's like not they're just looking to throw a deep like every play. Yeah, and they do. Yeah, he just and like we're gonna do it until we connect and. Malik Neighbors is going to potentially be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Um, he's their best wide receiver. He is the, I guess, second place in yards nationally behind uh, Luther Burden. I've heard of him. You've heard of him. Uh, Brian Thomas, who is like about as good of a number two wide receiver as you're going to find in the country. Uh, 33 receptions for 537 yards and eight touchdowns, which leads the country. Yeah. So they have two absolutely elite wide receivers, uh, by the way, <laughs> that you're going to have to uh, figure out how you're going to stop. Yeah, the offenses in this game, um, Daniels is number one in the SEC in passing yards. Brady Cook is fourth. Luther Burden, number one in the nation in receiving yards. Neighbors is second. In the SEC, obviously still one, two. And then Thomas for LSU is fourth. Mizzou, when you bring the defenses into this, it gets even funnier. Mizzou's offense in efficiency ranks. This is a, a, I'm getting this from a tweet from SEC Mike. Shout out SEC Mike. Mizzou's offense, 18th in efficiency so far this year. LSU defense, 130th. <laughs> LSU's passing offense, number three. Mizzou's pass defense, 107. Mizzou's pass offense, number seven. LSU's pass defense, 130th. I mean, that is just so, screaming shootout. Yeah, the over was, well, I think 64 and a half. I think it's going to probably blow past that. We're going to have a five-hour game because we're going to have so many stoppages of play for touchdowns. Hey, at least the first downs, it'll go faster because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, we will not feel that in this game. So, yeah, I mean, the offenses are going to... I think they're just going to do whatever they want for the most part, but I think they're just going to want to throw it because that's what they'll be able to do. Mm-hmm. There's just not going to be that much of a reason for either one of these teams to really try to push it too much in the run game. I think right. Mizzou will want to do it I, I more. I think they're going to try. Yeah. I think that's my fear is they're going to try and realize we can't afford to do this. Yeah. Because we have to, they're going to be playing catch up. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, LSU's run can, defense is solid. Yeah, it's just that. I mean, that's the thing. Why? Just look at the scouting scouting report. The the most simple glance at the scouting report, like we just did, tells you there's no point in trying to run in this game. Just the their secondary is so beatable, and Brady Cook has been playing so well. Like we should not be running the ball very often in this game. Now, I could see a situation where what we've seen so far this year from Missouri's offense is the run game is not really doing a whole lot early, but they stick with it just enough to break a few big runs late that have like either iced the game or, mm-hmm. you know, put one more score on the board. If we're going to get anything from the running game, I think it's just going to be a lesser version of that where there's nothing going on for three quarters. We try it every once in a while. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully in the fourth quarter, some of that turns into a first down here and there. Yeah. Um, because that's been the trend so far is the offensive line keeps it going. The, our running backs are fresh late in the game. Yeah. We need something late, I think from the running backs. Yeah. I just hope that if we are taking a lead into the second half, they're, 
they're not trying to close out the game and yeah. like in the third quarter like we've seen them try to do this season because just I don't think that's gonna fly. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I could see that uh, about the. I, I thought about this in the LSU Ole Miss game. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss had the ball. They were completing their comeback down by two, and they have the ball fairly late into the fourth quarter, just marching down the field, gashing LSU's defense. They get into the red zone and have an opportunity to run the clock down and kick the game-winning field goal to win by one. Yeah. That is absolutely what Coach Drinkwitz would have done there. Oh, for sure. I mean, no doubt in my mind, he is not wanting LSU to get the ball back. No. Lane Kiffin keeps throwing the ball. Yep. They score a touchdown. Easy. And then there's leave, still like 45 seconds on leave the clock. LSU with too much time. That's what I that's what I said to you guys in the Discord. We were watching this. We were kind of watching this game together, and I was like, in this game, I think 45 seconds or whatever it was, 40 yeah. something seconds is way too much. Yeah. And sure enough, LSU just marched right down the field. Yeah. Their first play was like 40 yards. Have a legit chance to win the game yeah. at the end. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, man, then. But that made me realize, like, I get where Coach Drink is coming from in those yeah. situations where, like, you've got Mevis and you've got an opportunity here to just, just do a, some of that goofy kneeling and running around stuff to burn the clock and yeah. then kick the game winner. Kind of control your own destiny. That- yeah, I kind of get it. But if we start doing that stuff too early, it yeah. could be a, a disaster. I think it's just whenever you're playing, like, uh, middle tennessee state you should yeah. just be able to enforce your will yeah. and i think that's what the problem was at the time but yeah when you're playing lsu and you know what they're capable of yeah you just you just control the ball if you can yeah and try to be the last one with the ball yeah but it's going to be tricky for if if missouri has a lead will they keep the gas pedal pressed down or will they try to yeah burn too much clock and get burned in the process right yeah i think it's going to be really fascinating watching um or cornerbacks match up with LSU's wide receivers because, you know, I was watching a little bit of LSU and man, when they see the one-on-one coverage, they're like, thank you very much. Yeah. Here's a touchdown. Yeah. And so like either one of the wide receivers, if they've got, if they see that they have single coverage, uh, they're just chucking it to them every time. Yeah. And that is kind of what happened uh, last week uh, with Shepard. He mm-hmm. had a big touchdown that was in single coverage and I, I think it was Marcus Clark that was the cornerback at the time. So hopefully we have uh, Ennis Rakestraw back and, and Chris Abramstrain, and hopefully they're playing as well as they possibly can because, I mean, they're going to have to be in single coverage a lot, and they're, they're going to take shots. Do we have any major injury concerns going into this game? I think Darius Robinson is questionable, and so obviously that's pretty significant. And I think Coach Drinkwood's said something on tire talk like we're holding our breath every day in practice and so that doesn't sound like a great situation and sounds to me like he's not he will not be 100 percent, but he'll start he's gonna play and we'll see how much we get out of him yeah and then i think makai miller is uh doubtful but i think that's really the only major injuries we're watching at this point but that was the, we talked about before the vanderbilt game was like is it too much to ask for like a solid win and we get healthy it felt like we did accomplish both of those things yeah, I don't to some extent. There were any injuries, any new injuries from Vanderbilt game. And I feel like Brady Cook will feel better going into this game than he did the start of the Vanderbilt game, just you know, physic physical health wise. Yeah. Feels like the team's taking this game pretty seriously. Uh I feel like it's just kind of been a quiet week. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, obviously they always preach that 
one and oh mentality and now would be the time to <laughs> focus in on that uh one of a uh, couple other things i had about lsu was uh just noting that uh logan diggs is their top running back but just to understand how their offense works he has three fewer carries on the season than daniels the quarterback so he is daniels is is every bit the uh the threat uh with his legs and again that speaks to if both of these defenses if their strength is stopping the run and they're very vulnerable against the pass i don't know i feel like 64 and a half is maybe a little bit of a low number but i mean i'll, I'll take that yeah. i'll take i'll just take i'll take a shootout that'd be fun that would be fun uh obviously want the win but <laughs> just uh just hang in there and I don't know. I think um, I think that's my my biggest concern. Probably is you know we've seen some incredible things from Missouri's offense, some incredible improvements from where we were just even just a short time ago with the same players. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know we know what they're capable of. Uh, at the same time, they've been really efficient for the most part. But they the most points they've scored in a game is only thirty eight. And I just and every game is different. Every game is its own little little thing. But it just seems like we still struggle to blow someone out. We have, and we that gives me pause. Will we be able to keep pace with an offense that's able to put up points like LSU? But on the other hand, I think our defense really gives us the edge in this game. Where you know we've really been talking up LSU's offense like it's the greatest you know show on turf, but I really think that Missouri's secondary can slow them down enough to where maybe we, we're not needing to score every play <laughs> we're not needing to score every drive even maybe yeah well and and i do i think the tackling from the secondary is going to be pretty huge because i think we will probably give up some short to intermediate yards or you know catches and just getting these guys on the ground and not letting those turn into touchdowns is going to be huge because I like Missouri's chances to do their bend but don't break style. I mean, that is that is college and NFL defense at this point. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing that. So um, shutting down the run game uh, and limiting those big plays for touchdowns is going to be huge. Making them manufacture points in the red zone uh, a- after like three or four consecutive successful plays is what the defense is going to have to do we can't we can't afford to give up two play 80 yard drives right and they can't like get down on themselves on they can't get down on themselves either because lsu is just gonna make plays just gotta get back up yeah and understand that you've got guys on the other side of the ball that are going to do the same thing i think missouri's gonna score too yeah so just hang in there i i like uh i like I think the offensive line from Missouri should have a solid game. I mean, LSU's front seven is good, and they have the type of athletes that can, you know, cause your quarterback problems. But I like Missouri's offensive line to hold up in this one. Gotta quit jump, quit jumping, false start. Gotta those the holding penalties. That's gotta stop. Yep. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those games where when a defense, when either defense makes a stop or forces a turnover, that's, that's going to be the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that with 
Cook's efficiency and all that. Ugh, keep that streak alive for one more game. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh this will probably be a pretty different game than a lot of the games left on the schedule. But it's a winnable it's a, it's a winnable game. It's a huge opportunity and I don't know. I'm I'm re- I kind of just think it's a coin flip. I I don't know who's going to win. I don't know how exactly it's going to go, but hopefully it's an exciting matchup. So if Missouri loses, you see it as probably Missouri's offense just not being able to keep up. I think so, yeah. LSU makes four or five more plays yep. for big for scores or big chunks that Missouri doesn't have an answer for. I think so, yeah. And if Missouri wins, do you see do you it, it's possible that LSU's pass defense is just legitimately atrocious and Missouri's able to do whatever they want? Do you see if Missouri wins, is it like we jump out to an early lead and then kind of just try to bleed the clock out successfully? Do you see Missouri winning a shootout? I think that I think if we're going to win, I don't I don't see him getting out early and bleeding the clock. I, I just don't think that's a, a strategy that's going to work in this game. Um, but I think it would probably be kind of a blow for blow thing and it just the able to. I, I don't think Missouri's going to go out there and score every drive. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but I think they'll be able to just slow LSU down enough to where, you know, they're not having a game where they're scoring 40-plus, hopefully. You know, they didn't – I think they scored 34 against Arkansas. We know Arkansas's defense isn't great. So, you know, they, they've had games where they're not, like, immaculate. Yeah, they only beat Arkansas by three. Yeah. 34-31 was yeah. the final there. So I definitely think Missouri's defense is more than capable of slowing them down enough. So I think this is just going to be a close game throughout, and if Missouri wins, they just make enough plays at the end of the game. Are they going to make enough plays? What's your What's your prediction? What are you thinking? Yago Missouri wins 42-38. Missouri wins 42-38. Okay. That would be like about as good as you could possibly ask for, right? A Missouri win in a shootout. Yeah. With like a packed out stadium. Wish it was a night game for the atmosphere. True. Uh... LSU scored 49 against Ole Miss and lost. That's wild. <laughs> that, was a, that was an anomaly of a game. Oh, man. I I feel like I've we've talked through this to the point where I'm liking Missouri in this one. I think Brady Cook keeps it going. We're taking deep shots. I think we get just enough out of the running game in the fourth quarter. And... In 2020, LSU came to Furrow Field. Didn't respect their opponent. No. Coming off a national championship. And Coach Drinkwitz, in a weird COVID season where a bunch of guys were out, rallied the troops, and Missouri won that game 45-41, to if I remember correctly. Came down to the last play? It's going to come down to the last play. Missouri's going to win the game 45-41. Oh, my. In a repeat. The Deja de- vu. I'm going to call my shot here. LSU's offense is on the field to end the game. And Missouri makes a stop? Yep. Wow. That would really be, that would really be, pus- pu- that would be putting my, my body to, <laughs> to the limit. Testing its limits. Yes. That would be really, really pushing it. But I, I would be all, all for that. Getting a win here, 
so huge. Go six and zero. Oh. Any intangibles at play? Is is LSU ready to throw in the towel in their season? Are they? We're not doing anything like that yet, because that definitely is something it that might, like yeah. comes into play for sometimes those like late season SEC games yes. where it's like, oh, South Carolina, they don't care anymore. Like that well, easy win or and LSU is, is if this was a few weeks later and they maybe lost to Alabama or somebody. In the meantime, that's true. They still have that game to, to play for. Yeah, then it, it might be like, oh, we've got some guys that are already thinking about the NFL draft, and they're still ranked. That's true. Yeah, but and yeah, their one of their losses was out of conference, so they still. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is true. This is still a conference game. Yeah, and at this point in the season, I mean, maybe this sounds insane, but I think Missouri is not completely out of competing for the SEC East. Like, Georgia has not shown us anything impressive. They're well, still probably going to win. And we know you can lose to Georgia and still uh, just let some other teams beat them up for two losses along the way. Exactly, yeah. You can lose 34-0 to and still uh, find a way to win the, the division. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this game is important in, in every way possible, but especially the uh, the SEC standings, which I think – Absolutely, Missouri could compete for the SEC East. Uh, going six and zero would be pretty huge. And then uh, there's two more games before the bye that comes right before the Georgia game. So we go LSU, Kentucky, South Carolina. Which that Kentucky game next week could be massive. Yeah, as well. I don't. I, can, I don't remember who Kentucky plays this week, but I, they play Georgia. Both team. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Whew. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. I mean, if they were to pull that off and Missouri won, that would be an absolutely enormous matchup. It's a night game at Kentucky. So that's what would happen. Like, they would beat Georgia, and it's two undefeated teams, and then they get college game day for the night game in Kentucky. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, though, but we like Missouri in this one. Shocker. It's so fun to be able to think about that kind of stuff, though. Like, yes, uh, yes. We're, I mean, we're approaching halfway through the season, and we're still talking about postseason or, mm-hmm. you know, who's got to beat who, and, like, that's there's nothing better. Uh, I did see one interesting thing. With this game kicking off at 11 a.m., and there's no undefeated teams. There's no teams with five wins playing, uh, like, on Thursday night or anything before Saturday morning. If Missouri beats LSU, they will be the first team in the country to clinch bowl eligibility. Ooh, that I actually thought about the other day. Like we could be we could be bowl eligible this week in October. Yeah, Oof. we were uh, fighting to get there last year. You know what still uh, scars me though is that Barry Odom team that started out five and zero and then lost like six in a row. Yeah. I uh I was just thinking about that the other day actually. Yeah, we were we were at the Mizzou basketball practice that they had. Yes. Uh and we were watching South Carolina versus Georgia on somebody's phone mm-hmm. and South Carolina like pulled off the upset. Yeah. And we were thinking like if Missouri beats Ole Miss tonight, then they'll be in first in the SEC East and of course they did. Yeah. They were in first place. And then everything they lost every game was after that. Horrible after that. They was that the, the game after Ole Miss they lost to Vanderbilt? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's what they were talking about on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like all, all comes Derek full Mason's circle. Mason's job for a while. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Going to go beat LSU. 
We'll be there. Come say hi or don't. That's fine. Blackout. Blackout. Wear your black. It's going to be chilly, which will be fun. Mm. I'm excited for that. And let's pick the rest of the SEC games. Oh, he was ready for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Incredible timing. He's like, okay, they've been talking for an hour. Uh, <laughs> like, wrap it up. <laughs> going to pick some games Get anytime. My finger now. on the button for so long. <laughs> How did we do last week? Last week, Kyle got seven points. Cam and I got six. Guest pickers got five. Well, good news, Tristan. You can try again this week. <laughs> Our season total so far, the three of us have 37. Guest pickers have 36. Wow. I wow. feel like the last three, last three weeks in a row, there's been like a three-way tie for first. So I don't know. So what? But <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our first game this week is number 11, Alabama. Our guest picker is Tristan. Number 11, Alabama at Texas A&M. Alabama is a two and a half point favorite. I don't care what anybody else does. Texas A&M is going to win this game. Ooh, Give me an M. You're taking them too? Yeah. m and M, he said? m and M. I wanted to be on an island. Uh, mm-hmm. Alabama's favored? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I got to go Alabama. Tristan takes Alabama, I'm sure. Yep. Okay, Tristan. Here we go. Next up is Vanderbilt at Florida. Florida is an 18 and a half point favorite. Florida, uh, they're bad. They beat Tennessee. Then, sure enough, they're bad against Kentucky. And now this is going to be one where, oh, maybe they're good. They're not, folks. They're not. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird one where I like, highly anticipated matchup last week. Yeah. And I, I checked the game like an hour into it or something, maybe not even that long. And they were down like 23 to 0. Yeah, literally, like, okay, Kentucky wow. should have been the ranked team in that matchup, not Florida. Yeah. Florida beat Tennessee, though, right? You just said yeah. that? How do they do that? I don't know. I'll have to go watch it sometime. Maybe yeah. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll watch some of that game before we play either one of them. <laughs> uh, they're playing Vanderbilt, Florida is? Is that what we're doing right yeah. now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take Florida. Yep. Everybody's on Florida. Yep. They'll look good, but it's fake. Fraudulent, <laughs> you could say. Yeah, even. Next up is number 20, Kentucky, at number one, Georgia. Georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite. That line is ridiculous. Yeah. IMO. Uh, I think Kentucky could win. Oh, really? Ooh. I don't know that I'm going to pick it. But Go I, ahead. I, I've i kind of flipped the narrative. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's honestly maybe more anti-Georgia. Am I okay. anti-Georgia? Okay. That's it. That's Kentucky's, a take. Uh, Kentucky is, has really played well the last few weeks. They've proved me wrong for sure. Okay. Uh Georgia, are they going to be forced to take something seriously? Yeah, well, they're going to need to, and Kentucky's defense is legit. I think they've been behind in almost every game they've played, and then they've just magically come back and win. Yeah. Yeah, that that Mizzou game last year was like, hey, this is your future. You're going to be in battles from here on out. Yeah. Did Kirby Kirby sell his soul? For the back-to-back? For always making the comeback? Oh, potentially. Okay, I'll pick Georgia, but Kentucky is going to cover that. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Georgia for everybody. I'll take Kentucky. Oh. 
Okay. That's is legendary. It, it's at Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take Kentucky. All right. <laughs> yeah. That was that was probably a bad idea. I'll do it. I almost feel like we need some kind of rule where it's like if you correctly predict an upset that's like double digit line, you get like three points or something. I agree. Maybe next year. The next year. <laughs> next up is Arkansas at number sixteen Ole Miss. Ole Miss is an eleven and a half point favorite. That's a t- too low of a number. Yeah. Ole Miss by a million. Ole Miss. Ole Miss for everybody. Okay, last and certainly least, Nebraska at Illinois. Illinois is a three and a half point favorite. Talking about two bad football teams. Very average, I should say. They're not necessarily bad. They're very average. The, uh, Illinois beat? No. Purdue? They lost to Purdue. Sure. Last week? <laughs> they played each other, I know. I don't remember. Ryan Walters won. is the coach at Purdue now? Yes. Okay. Well, that has nothing to do with this game, but <laughs> just want to make sure I had that all that right. Yeah, you got it. Um, is Brett Bielema still the head coach at Illinois? Yeah. Uh, Bielema? Brett Bielema? <laughs> How would you say <laughs> I it? I don't know. Who are you, who are you picking? Um, I'll go Illinois. Who are you picking? Illinois. Tristan's got Illinois. I'll take Nebraska. You Let's have go. To. You have to. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. That would be like a massive win for for old producer Cameron because that's an upset and he's the only one that picked it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's not going to happen. Don't worry. Don't even trip. Uh, are we all done here? Sure. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan D. Moore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy J. Daddy J. D. Congratulations. Uh, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groflo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, and Louis Hernandez. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Congratulations. We will see some of you on Saturday. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week after a win.